Let us pray. O great God and Father, thank you for thinking of us, for remembering our frailty, and most of all, for remembering your good intentions to praise you with our lives as we use our skills, intellects, and powers to serve you and your kingdom. We will fail at this task, waste your gifts, and misrepresent your glory unless you come to us in the power of the Spirit and instruct us from your word. Please do this now, and we will listen carefully as we hear and respond in faith and obedience. May your majesty be made known through our lives. For Jesus, our Savior's sake, amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from 1 Samuel, chapters 1 and 2, on page 272. 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 27, through chapter 2, verse 3. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from the heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli, the priest. This is the word of the Lord. At the very end of the passage that Chile read for us, I just wanted to point out chapter 2, verse 26. Uh, The writer says, The boy Samuel, Hannah's baby boy, continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. And of course, we're going to read that as Lynette has just told the children about our Lord Jesus as well. So let's turn to our New Testament lesson. And we'll begin with Luke's gospel as we have the last four weeks of Advent. Chapter 2, this time uh, beginning with verse 39. And this is found on page 1,028 of your Bibles. 1,028, Luke 2, 39 and following. Let us hear God's word. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord... 
they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child, this is of course the Lord Jesus, grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Verse 41, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the temple to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I was just reading this, it occurred to me, you know, one of the most famous Christmas movies, at least in America, is Home Alone, Home Alone. I think Auf Deutsch, it's something a little less catchy than that, but um, is available if you want to watch it in German on Netflix anyway. And of course, this is kind of a Home Alone or rather a Lost in Jerusalem, perhaps Home Alone Part 4, Lost in Jerusalem. But it doesn't take long, does it, for Mary and Joseph to find out where Jesus has been. And he's not up to any trouble at all. He's in the temple. Will Wonders Never Cease is our title today. There's a historian named Carolyn Walker Bynum and she is a history professor at Columbia University in the US. And she said something back when I was studying history that has stuck with me for the last 16 years. And the thing she said was this, every view of things, every view of things that is not wonderful is false. Every view of things that is not wonderful is false. In other words, if you look at things, unfamiliar things as well as familiar things, new things as well as old things, sacred things as well as natural things, but you don't look at these things with wonder, then Bynum says, your view of them is inherently misguided and wrong. 
I want to show you this morning from Luke's gospel, from our passage and from some other places in Luke's gospel, that you urgently need to cultivate in your heart wonder in 2019. 2019 needs to be, for all of us, a year of growing wonder. To do this, I want us to look at our passage, and we're going to look at wonder as well in the Advent story that we've been studying the last four weeks here. And then we'll take a quick look at wonder in the rest of Luke's gospel. But then finally, we will ask, how do Mary and Joseph and the other characters in Luke's gospel call us to approach Jesus differently in 2019 than we have in 2018? So the urgency of our wonder. So let's look first of all at Mary and Joseph's Let's call it their forgetful wonder. In our passage today, this is, it's actually fitting that the children are with us for the whole service because this is, after all, the only time that we get to see Jesus in the Bible as a child and see what he's up to. So I'm glad you're with us, kids. The passage starts off in verse 41 with custom, with what's normal. Every year, Luke tells us there's a Passover feast. Every year, Mary and Joseph go to the Passover feast. They knew what to expect there. There'd be food, there'd be worship, there'd be singing, there'd be lots of crowds. They knew what to expect from their family along the way, right? They would travel together. They would look out for one another. And it seems like Luke, after telling for two chapters now, about the coming of Jesus. He wants to show us that after a while, everything and everyone settled into a comfortable and predictable routine. Religious life in Israel, kind of like it does here in Switzerland in 2018, 19, religious life in Israel, daily life in the home of Mary and Joseph, just kind of settled down. Everything was pretty normal. Now, there's nothing wrong, of course, with routines. Certainly, there's everything right, as Lynette was telling the children, with being faithful, with prayer day after day, scripture reading, and coming, of course, to worship with God's people week after week. Routines are not bad. Bad routines are bad, and good routines are, of course, good. But the question I think Luke is raising for us is... What happens in our hearts? What happens in our hearts when we say our prayers, when we read our Bibles, when we go to youth group, when we show up at church week after week without wonder in our eyes and in the eyes of our hearts? For Mary and Joseph, 12 years have passed since the angels showed up and changed their lives forever. Maybe 10 years or so have passed since the wise men visited and gave these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So there's been years of what? Routine. Things like changing diapers and potty training. Did you know, by the way, uh, this ought to be an encouragement to all of us, that the Lord Jesus needed to get potty trained just like all of us and just like your children have to as well. 
And after years of carpentry and cooking and cleaning and just making ends meet for this growing family, Mary and Joseph take boy Jesus to the temple. But this was anything but a routine, boring experience for Jesus, 12-year-old boy that he was. After all, this is the boy who is destined to save Israel from their sins. And now he's going to attend his first Passover. Did he know at the age of 12 that he'd save his people on Calvary outside of that same city at a Passover festival some 20 years later? When Mary and Joseph and all their relatives and Jesus arrive at Jerusalem, what happens to Jesus? Well, he is captivated by the feast itself. And he's locked into the scriptures that are being read that told the story of his people and the rituals and the readings that told his own story. But at the same time as all of this captivates the Lord Jesus, 12-year-old boy though he is, it seems like Mary and Joseph hardly notice his keen interest in all of these things. And so at the end of the feast, his family packs up and heads home in their caravan, and they assume Jesus is in the caravan with them. But what happens in verse 43? Jesus just keeps on feasting, doesn't he? Feasting on the scriptures with the temple scholars. And his parents first, verse 44, search among the traveling relatives, and they can't find him. And then at last, they ask, you don't think that he's back in Jerusalem, do you? Three days after they had left, Jesus was still in the temple, verse 46, and he's talking with these religious leaders and the scholars. And here's where the wonder comes in, right? There's actually two types of wonder in this passage. Type number one of wonder. There is the wonder of those who hear Jesus speak and act and pray in the temple and show profound understanding, verse 47. They wonder at his understanding. But then the second type of wonder is the wonder of his parents, verse 48, and it's different, isn't it? Amazement, not at this boy's understanding, but amazement at what a bad boy he was for making his parents worry so much. I can't believe, Jesus, that you would do this to us is what his parents say. And we would say the same thing, wouldn't we? Rabbis wonder why he asks such deep and and really personal questions about the scriptures. His parents wonder, why is your heart so set on religion instead of our expectations? Now here's the thing. Jesus does have to learn how to be potty trained But just because he's the son of God doesn't mean that he gets to just disobey his parents and disrespect them whenever he wants. Actually, Luke makes this very clear, verse 51 here, that he submits to his parents and that within this submission to his parents' authority, he grew up and he grew wiser and he grew in favor with his neighbors as well as, verse 52, with his heavenly father. So when he says in verse 49 here, mom and dad, come on, why were you looking for me? 
didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? He's not being a little brat. He's not being disrespectful. He's reminding his parents what they have already forgotten somehow. And what is that? He's reminding his parents that every child of God, and certainly the son of God himself, belongs more to their heavenly father's house than to their father and mother's house. He's showing that his allegiance is to the Jerusalem, yes, in Israel, but also and especially to the Jerusalem above, more than to the routines of life back in Nazareth, as important as they might be. He's showing his mom and dad, and he's showing us that he honors his earthly father and mother best by honoring his heavenly father most. And in their routine religious observance, Mary and Joseph forget that actually their entire religion itself is about their kid. Verse 48, don't you see what grief you've caused us, Mary asks Jesus. We've searched for you. And it's almost as if, verse 49, Jesus is saying, Mom, Dad, don't you see that your hearts are restless and that your heavenly Father and mine is searching for your hearts even right now? Now, verse 50 makes it very clear. They don't understand what Jesus is saying to them. But still, even without total understanding, something seems to have happened in their hearts, doesn't it, at that moment? Verse 51, and his mother treasured up all of these things in her heart. In other words, what happened that day is their astonished frustration turned back, didn't it, to wonder and to marvel. They stopped being amazed at Jesus' failure to meet their expectations, and they returned to being amazed at what God was doing right there in the middle of their little family. Let's take just a minute and look at wonder in the rest of the beginning of Luke's gospel. Mary and Joseph's hearts are, after all, here, when Jesus is 12, returning to their advent hearts of Luke 1 and 2. Wonder is all over Luke 1 and 2. The people wondered, if you remember from five weeks ago now, when Zechariah was in the temple and he was taking so long. What is going on in there? They wondered. The community itself is filled with wonder again when out of nowhere, John the Baptist's parents call him John instead of Zechariah. What's that all about? They wonder. Just a couple of verses later, those same people, not really understanding all of this, began to spread their wonder and their awe to their neighbors. So wonder is spreading all over the place. Like Mary, Everyone who heard these things laid up all of these things in their hearts. And they asked the question, full of wonder, what then will this child be? You see, they don't know, but their hearts are worshiping, and their mouths are witnessing, and their lives begin to be marked by a holy fear and expectation. In other words, by wonder. 
I wonder. Mary and Joseph, too, have several experiences where they don't understand exactly, but where they wonder. The angel comes to Mary, tells her that she'll bear the Son of God, even though she's a virgin, and her response is wonder and willingness. I don't understand, but behold, I am the servant of the Lord, so may it be just like you've said. When Elizabeth greets Mary and John the Baptist jumps in Elizabeth's womb in the presence of Mary's baby, Jesus, what happens to Mary's heart? It wells up with a song, and we studied it. It's called the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. When the shepherds showed up at the stable and they told Mary and Joseph about all the angels that they had seen, singing to them in the countryside. What did she do? She treasured up all of those things in her heart. And if you want all of the verses and chapters of these things, we'll post it on the website later. And the shepherds, for that matter, they won't shut up about what they've seen and heard. And as a result, everyone in the countryside does what? They wonder at what the shepherds have told them. And then finally... When Mary and and Joseph take Jesus to the temple for the first time, and the old man Simeon, who was waiting there, held Jesus in his arms, and when Simeon sang, God, I'm happy to die now in peace because my very eyes have seen your salvation, guess what Mary and Joseph do? The text says, and his father and mother wondered about what was said about him. The coming of Jesus in Luke 1 and 2 that we've been studying these last four weeks makes people wonder. It fills them with wonder. People don't know exactly what to make of Jesus, but they wonder, could this boy be the boy? What is God doing? How wonderful this all is. And then very quickly in the rest of Luke's gospel, people continue to bump into Jesus. And as they do, Jesus disorients and often disturbs people with what? With his astonishing commitment to his heavenly father and God above everything else. And as Jesus bumps into people, there's basically two responses. Astonishment, wonder from earlier in Luke grows up into one of two things. It either grows up into love and awe and worship and devoted discipleship, or it grows up into irritation and impatience, maybe even anger and malice and hatred. The more that people hear and experience Jesus, the more their own hearts bump up into the heart of Jesus. And that's an uncomfortable encounter so many times. And the result is either more love or more irritation and hostility. And people's reaction, after all, isn't just intellectual, but it's spiritual. Do they see Jesus' heart and recognize their opportunity to be honest and to receive his grace and forgiveness? 
to allow that grace and forgiveness to change their lives? Or do they see Jesus' heart and find it threatening to them? That's the question in Luke's gospel, if you keep reading it. And that's the question, I think, for us today. So what about us today? Will wonders cease now that Advent is over? And we'll just slide back into a boring old religious routine? Folks, a heart that doesn't open with wonder toward Jesus cannot receive the love of Jesus. A heart that won't receive the love of Jesus cannot allow itself to be forgiven by Jesus. And a heart that won't be forgiven by Jesus cannot open itself to the hearts of others who need love, who need to be loved and forgiven and have grace extended to them in community, in our families, in our church fellowship, and ultimately forever and ever. So I challenge you today, watch your wonder. Watch your wonder You have to expect Jesus to show himself to you through his word and by his spirit in 2019. You have to ask God's spirit to prepare your heart to wonder at his love and grace all the year long. And when your heart, as sometimes it does, flutters with amazement as Jesus shows up into your life, Remember that this wonderful experience of Jesus is a gift of God's spirit and enjoy it. But here's the thing that Luke teaches us. Remember also that this experience, this heart-fluttering experience of wonder at Jesus and his love and grace, it's a gift that's meant to grow up in us all the year long and grow up into full-hearted love and devotion and service to our Savior. Don't let your Christmas time sentimental wonder, as fun as it is, grow up this year into a February and March of impatience and frustration, and finally, either irritation with or rejection of the Lord Jesus whose coming we just celebrated with such wonder. The thing is, in a new year, None of us are going to be able to control Jesus, are we? Mary and Joseph realized this themselves at the Jerusalem temple 2,000 years ago. You can't control this person who is so devoted to his father's heart. So instead, in 2019, allow the Lord Jesus to amaze you with his single-hearted, single-willed devotion to his heavenly father. And as you're amazed and stunned by Jesus' commitment to righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, let that draw you into love and devotion for your heavenly father and his. And here's the thing. You won't understand everything that he's doing. Guarantee it. You won't even understand everything that you read in English or in the language of your choice in the Holy Scriptures. But you can have peace with God 
in 2019, a peace that passes all of your understanding. In 2019, you can have a heart that wonders at the Lord Jesus in anticipation, in faith, in a willingness to go wherever and do whatever and be whomever the Lord Jesus calls you to go and do and be. You know, the old timers, at least in English, used to call the years, you know, the, the abbreviation is AD 2019, isn't it? Anno Domini or something like that in Latin means what? The year of our Lord. So the old timers, even in English, used to say, this is the year of our Lord, 2018, that's almost coming to a close, and the year of our Lord, 2019, is on the way. And this is a wonderful way of describing a new year, isn't it? 2019 will be the year of our Lord, for he is raised and glorious, having accomplished our salvation at the cross, dying for our sins, being buried, and then rising again to glorious new life on the third day. He's done all of that, and it is the year of our Lord. 2018, 2019 will be the same. But it will only be the year of our Lord, 2019, for you and in your heart. With all of the joy and the surprise of forgiveness and love and grace and renewal that comes to us, through the ministry of God's spirit, through Jesus. If you realize that he's inviting you to receive his grace, to receive his forgiveness and renewal today and in this year ahead. Only if your heart is open in wonder to his grace and truth. And if, as it wonders, this wonder leads you to follow him wherever he leads, no matter what, he might ask of you. Because this kind of grown-up wonder knows with a firm conviction, even if it doesn't understand everything, it knows this, that if the Father sent his only Son to be born, to live, to die, to be raised, and then to ascend to the throne of the universe for us and for the sake of the whole creation, then wonders will never cease. Wonders will never cease. Friends, you're going to want to be around for the eternity of wonders that will always unfold without ceasing in the new heavens and the new earth. All of that awaits us. And the day is sooner today than when you first believed. So make 2019 the year of wonder. Don't wait around, but wait in wonder. This is the day. This is the year that the Lord has made. So as the hymn says, let us love and sing and wonder. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in him. Amen? Gracious God, we pray that you would teach us, along with Mary and Joseph and everyone else, to wonder at your love. And in a few moments, as we come to your table, will you teach us afresh what it costs you to earn our salvation, to accomplish it, and to save us. And then will you send us from here, ready with hearts unfurled before you to wonder at your love and grace, to learn your commandments and to follow your ways and to go everywhere you've called us to go.
in the new year and for the rest of our lives and every day until you come again. We make our prayer together in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.